When a young boy stumbles across a brutal crime scene, he knows he can't tell anyone because no one would believe who the murderer was. And then we travel to a young boy's bedroom late at night. While this little guy is trying to catch some quick Z's so he can be well-rested for the next day, he has no idea he's about to wake up and see the unexplained. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. We got a ton of stuff to cover, so we gotta get started right away. First off, running into Dead Rabbit Command with a handful of cards. Everyone give a round of applause. For Chaz. Woohoo! Yay! Wee! Yay! As I dropped the cards. I dropped the cards, Chaz. Let me pick these up. They're real cards. That wasn't a. This isn't a carrot top gimmick. Chaz, Patreon member Chaz, recently sent me a package. This is really cool. So when Dead Rabbit Radio first came out, around the same time we came out, there was a Kickstarter for a new trading card game called MetaZoo. MetaZoo, M-E-T-A-Zoo. It's basically a card game like Magic the Gathering or Jihad, that old Vampire the Masquerade game. Pokemon, probably more. (laughs) I'm like, what's Jihad? You used to play a card game called Jihad? Yeah, I used to stay up till 3 in the morning playing it every weekend. It's like Pokemon, but these are based on cryptids. This is a pretty cool-looking card game. I don't know how to play it. He just sent me a couple cards, but the artwork is awesome. I really love this stuff. We have cards such as the Dybbuk Box. That's really cool. An alien astronaut. Stargate project. That is a little like Men in Black in the background. A black helicopter card. And it's that same type of trading card game. And it's really fantastic. It's a really cool... I've never played the game. I can't say that the game itself is cool. But I just love the concept of it. They have a little sewer alligator. He's eating a piece of pizza. And he does 20 damage of chomp damage if he gets a hold of you really cool jazz thank you for sending these over to me and he sent me a really cool note as well i love getting stuff like this from you guys so really appreciate it Chaz, you're going to be our captain our pilot this episode if you guys can't support the patreon if you guys can't send me gifts that's okay too it really is just help spread the word about dead rabbit radio that helps out so much you can help the fluffle by getting the word out about the show also you can vote for us in the paranormality podcast of the month they have a paranormal podcast of the month every month the details on how to vote are below in the show notes Chaz, let's go ahead and get started by tossing you the keys to the hair hovercraft we're gonna leave behind dead rabbit command hover us all the way out to the appalachian mountains <sighs> hovering out over the great plains of america until we reach Appalachia. I don't have a, I know that, that that mountain range like is across several states. I don't have a specific location, but somewhere somewhere in this massive amount of mountains we're now standing and we see this little boy, this little 11-year-old boy walking through the woods. The person who wrote the story didn't give his name. We're going to go ahead and call him Barney. I believe he's in his 50s now, 50s or 60s now. So we're talking a long time ago. Actually, that doesn't sound that long ago. I'm 47, so it wasn't that long ago. It's just like yesterday. But we're in the Appalachian Mountains. It's probably like in the 60s and the 70s. And this little boy, we'll call him Barney, is walking through the woods. 
raggedy old pants. <laughs> Imagine looking like Huck Finn, raggedy old pants, no shoes, because shoes are for them city folk. Hayseed in his mouth, and he's just walking through Appalachia, having a good time. He's not hiking. He lives in the area. It's not like, oh, yes, it's time to discover myself at the tender age of 12. He lives in the area. He wanders away from his house. He does this all the time. He's just in the woods. And all of a sudden, he hears something moving through the bushes. Huh? What? Actually, I don't think you'd be that shocked. There's squirrels everywhere. If he got surprised every time there was a noise in the bush, he's like, oh, I'm going insane. He'd be hiding in his house. There's birds constantly flying around, dropping nuts. And every so often, like a skunk jumps up on a rock. He's used to wildlife. But when he hears this rustling in the bushes, he looks over and out of the bushes walk a little man. Barney says that this guy looked to be about 12 to 15 inches tall. And he walks out of the bushes and immediately sees Barney and retrieves a tiny little knife from his belt. <laughs> so, you know, listen. I don't know how big a knife would be if it was held by a 15-inch person. I know it would be... I wouldn't, want it. <laughs> I wouldn't want it anywhere near me. Like, on one hand, you might be like, oh, that's adorable. On the other hand, you're, you're 11 years old, you're walking in the middle of nowhere, and a 15-inch man jumps out carrying a knife, right? <laughs> That'd be alarming. But you, you also figure, like, if I have a knife, the knife is... Okay, so if I'm holding a knife, the knife blade is about as long as my hand. So like as long as my palms. So the my knife blades are probably about four to five inches long in general, right? The ones that I carry on me. So if you were 15 inches, you'd have what, maybe like an inch wide hand? So maybe the blade's only an inch. So that's not super threatening. But I wouldn't be super scared of a little man with a tiny little knife. Although I do have eyeballs that are very sensitive to any length of blade. Barney's a little alarmed by this guy. And I guess I'm really kind of in journalism, what we call burying the lead. There's a 15-inch man. There's a 15-inch man. Well, you know, Jason, you're more fascinated about the size of his knife than the fact that this tiny dude's walking through the forest. Well, here's the thing. Threat assessment, right? 15-inch man, I'd go, that that is amazing, right? Normally, humans, the last time they're 15 inches is when they're in the womb, I think. Somewhere around there, right? Or baby-sized. Or like, you know, like a little infant. I think even a one-year-old is bigger than 15 inches. Anyways, it's not a one-year-old. It's a fully developed man walking around with a tiny knife. Because he's tiny. And he sees Barney and scowls at him and begins to grunt and jab the knife towards Barney. Like, pointing it at him to, like, back off. And he's jabbing that knife in the air. And Barney's like, bro, dude, calm down, man. And the man emerges completely from the bushes at this point, And he's holding over his back, like slung over his shoulder in his other hand, in his non-knife holding hand. He has the body of a giant dead dragonfly. So that's slumped over his back. He's holding onto it with one hand. And he's jabbing his knife at the other one with Barney. And he's pissed off that he's been spotted. And he looks at Barney and then continues to angrily walk through the bushes, down into the forest, until eventually he's completely out of sight. Barney's standing there. He's completely shocked. 
really for multiple reasons. The, the two I gave originally, Grunting Man, Tiny Man, <laughs> I guess it's three, Tiny Man, Grunting Man, and Knife-Wielding Man. Super alarming. But another thing Barney picked up on as this Tiny Man was walking away from him. Barney got a closer look at that dead dragonfly, that huge dead dragonfly that this creature had slaughtered and was carrying over his shoulder. As this tiny little man was walking away from him, Barney got a closer look. It wasn't a dragonfly. It was a dead fairy. They're like, Jason, wow, two fairy stories in a row. I covered a fairy story yesterday. I'm doing one today. <laughs> like, have you gotten fairy pixie dust on you? Are they controlling you? Blink once for yes. It's an interesting story. I mean, this story was actually a response. Yesterday, we covered the story of Susanna in the fairy parade. It was sent over by Dragonova Svetlana. Thank you very much. And this was a response to this. This guy says the same thing happened to me back when I was a little kid in Appalachia. Not the same thing. I mean, he's involved a dead fairy, but the story I just told you when she posted that, he goes, I have a story to tell as well. And the story I just told you, he goes, when I saw the dragonfly, I looked in it. I saw the first off the size of the dragonfly caught him off guard. First off, I mean, obviously the 15 inch man caught him off guard, but the whole scene as it was playing out, he goes, I saw him carrying this dragonfly had the most beautiful wings I'd ever seen. And it looked way bigger than any dragonfly I'd ever seen. But I got a closer look and it was the corpse of a fairy. And I mean, just based on what's going on, it would seem like this other man like is it an elf a fairy whatever it is david the gnome david the gnome's gone rogue since his show got canceled he murdered this fairy and was carrying the body away for whatever reason like at best simply to hide the evidence at worst he's gonna eat it he's gonna have dead fairy for dessert he ran home and he goes i didn't tell anyone though I didn't tell anyone at home, and he left this open. I thought this was an interesting quote. He said he never told anyone at home because he, quote, knew what the repercussions would be. You know, it's so interesting because I'm not a huge fan of fairies. It's not that I don't think they exist. I just think they're incredibly lame. If you had to, if you asked me where fairies would live, I would say I, the places fairies normally live, Ireland, uh, probably like Northern Europe, stuff like that. But if you asked me in America, I'd go, oh, it'd probably be somewhere like the Appalachian Mountains. Like that would be 100% the place I would think these stories would originate from in America. Would be completely wild areas, but not just, I mean, the Pacific Northwest has a lot of forests. I don't think there's no fairies up here. I think that... When you look at the Appalachian Mountains and the cultures that have sprung up from there, the hillbilly, really, right? It's so much that modern knowledge mixed with old world sensibility or old world superstition might be another way to put it. Like the Appalachian Mountains, they're so both remote as well as bordered on both sides by high tech. Right, you have these massive cities within miles of the Appalachian, hundreds of miles, you know, dozens, hundreds, whatever it is. It's not like they're not right next to it, but you know what I mean? Civilization has popped up all over on both sides of this mountain range, but yet 
the ways of the mountain folk are still old. And I don't think superstitions come out of nowhere. I think there is always a basis behind them. So I would, if you had, if you asked me, I would say the Appalachian Mountains. I don't think there would be fairies in the swamps of Louisiana. I don't think there would be fey folk in the deserts of Arizona. I don't even think there would be a lot of elf and fairy activity in Pacific Northwest in the Redwood Forest. But Appalachian Mountains, one hundred percent, that's where I think you would find them. Very interesting story, and again, I love the... First off, there's a dead fairy. I don't know why I'm forgetting that part, right? I'm not saying the only good fairy is a dead fairy, but there's just that level of violence to it. The fae folk are always so kind of like... They're tricksters, right? We're going to steal your baby and replace it with one of our own. <laughs> this one's more like Leprechaun, and I'm not talking about the mythical creature. I'm talking about the fantastic film series, Leprechaun. This is basically a horror movie. This little guy had murdered a fairy... And was carrying its body off for who knows why. Like what led up to this point? I have no idea. I can assume just what what propels humans to kill each other. And that same type of sin, that same type of evil would permeate the paranormal world. I, I think that. I do believe that. Fascinating story. Barney, he actually posted this online going by the name Real Country Boy, which again also adds authenticity. I was like, oh, he didn't say fake country boy, so he's telling the truth. He said that this wasn't his only encounter with the fairies. There was another time around the same age where he heard fairies singing and he interrupted a fairy party. He said it sounded the sound was similar to hummingbirds, but when he peeked over, he saw these little fairies dancing and stuff like that. It's a fascinating story. And I do think like if it's one of those things, like there are certain cultures or certain subcultures where you like some of this stuff you don't talk about at work because you you don't want to get the reputation of being spooky Joe at work. But there are other cultures that are like, no, we don't talk about it at the home either. You don't ever bring up the supernatural. We don't want to know anything about ghosts. And if you live in an area where the old world is, yeah, fairies and elves exist out there and stay away from them. Grandma, you know, grandma lost that eye after that little guy poked it out. You have subcultures where they don't even talk about this stuff at all. And he's like, I'm not going to bring it up because as weird as that was, if I go home, I'm probably going to get spanked. For that fairy talk, for talking about fairies, talking about fairies at home, I'm going to get the belt on my buttocks. So that's how I read that comment. He knew what the consequences or the repercussions would be. But interesting story, and it's kind of to dovetail off of yesterday's fairy story. Carrying a dead fairy over your shoulder as you wander off into the woods. I wonder what a fairy tastes like. Because there's a lot, I, I would eat Bigfoot. Like if someone pre, I wouldn't kill him myself to eat him. But if I went to a fancy dinner party and they're like, ding, 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 tapping their glasses and they go, we are having a feast, a feast today. First off, Bigfoot bolognese. And everyone's like clapping. Is that what you do? <laughs> Is that what you do in fancy dinner parties? Do you clap after each meal's announced and they bring out chunks of Bigfoot? Chunks of Bigfoot, I'm nom, 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 marine it up. And they're like, next up, a chupacabra cutlets. And I'm like, oh, I'm already so full from the Bigfoot. But, you know, when in Rome, I would eat a couple cryptids. I don't know of a, I don't know of a cryptid I wouldn't eat. Maybe one that's like made of slime. Maybe like the oil monster of Venezuela. I'm like, I'll pass on that one. They're bringing me out an extra helping a pig man from Portugal. I, I would... Eat most cryptids, but there's not a lot of paranormal stuff you can eat, if you think about it. You can't eat an angel. 
You can't eat a ghost. You can't eat a demon. But I would eat a fairy. I think they probably would be... It'd be like one of those ones you'd put on a skewer, right? Like a horde divorce or a horde divorce. You'd have like four... <laughs> Like four or five fairies on a skewer and a leprechaun on top. They're the olive and you're like, nom, 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 nom. You can eat them up. Now, again, I'm not saying I would personally kill... I feel like I have to put this disclaimer out before the world of the paranormal devours my soul. I would not kill a fairy with the intent of eating it. But if someone had already killed the fairy, yeah, let's go. (laughs) Where you got them at? Where you got them at? What type of sauces do you have for me to dip them in? Honey mustard? I'm in. Nope. Chaz. Let's go ahead and toss you the keys for the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind the Appalachian Mountains. Take us up, up and away from here and all the way out to a little boy's bedroom. <laughs> the year is 2021. We're about to meet this young boy. Actually, I don't know how old is he now that I'm thinking about it. He posted this story online. I keep calling him a little boy. He may be a teenager. He does go by the online. He does go by the online name Bird Boy, so don't get offended if you're a 28-year-old man. You're calling yourself Bird Boy. Anyways, we're going to call you Philip. We're going to call you Philip. It's 2021, and Philip's living with his parents. So yeah, I guess he is a little bit older, because no little kid would be like, yeah, I moved back in with my parents. They're like, dude, you're eight. Where were you before? He's like, ah, Appalachia. Finding myself. The year's 2021, Philip. He's probably in his teens, maybe 20s, but it, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that Philip is living with his parents. He's currently sharing a bedroom with two of his siblings. <laughs> How old is this guy? How old is this guy? Just imagine this 28-year-old dude. He's like, I gotta move back in with my parents. I graduated college. Job prospects aren't that great. And now he's sharing a room with a 10-year-old and a 3-year-old. He's like in this tiny race car bed. He's like, oh, man. Philip is living with his parents. He's sharing a bedroom with his siblings. And things can't can't be going super well for this guy, right? Things can't be going super well for this guy. But anyways, anyways, I have no problem. I think it's totally fine when people live with their parents. I lived with my grandparents for decades. But it's not that. It's just sharing sharing the room. Everything, really. You call yourself Bird Boy. But anyways, none of that. None of that. Okay, let me get on the story. Philip, living with his parents, sharing a room with two of his siblings. He's woken up in the middle of the night. His eyes are scanning the darkness of the bedroom. He sees standing in this room a tall black figure. But not just standing somewhere in the bedroom. This entity is standing right next to Philip's bed. He said this being, this creature, whatever it was, was pitch black from head to toe. Typical shadow man. And if you've never seen a shadow man, I've seen them. I've put the episode in the show notes. They are blacker than night. It's the weirdest thing in the world. You can see... Darkness within darkness. It's bizarre. It really is a bizarre phenomenon. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. If it's demonic. If it's alien. Interdimensional. Whatever it is. 
the shadow people. Well, he's seen one of these types of shadow figures standing right next to his bed. And he said it seemed to be wearing a long black cloak. But that's not what was really memorable to Philip. That's not really why he felt the need to tell this story. Why this? Why even I'm telling you this story. Uh, I've never seen a shadow man with clothes, but shadow men are often depicted wearing either a trench coat or uh, like a fedora top hat. All sorts of things. This shadow man, which is super rare for shadow man encounters, so this may not actually be one of those. This shadow man was holding in its hand a massive cage. Like a giant cage that you would hold an animal in that had a handle on the top of it, and it was so big, it actually... So this figure is taller than an average adult human, but even then, the cage it was holding reached all the way to the ground. So we're thinking this cage is probably like four or five feet tall. Probably pretty wide as well. This shadow figure is holding this cage as it's standing next to Philip's bed. Philip awoke. He's obviously shocked at what he's seeing. He can't really make sense of this. He's looking at his figure standing there, darker than dark, holding this cage. And then the figure just began to slowly walk away. And then simply disappeared from view. I could be wrong, but I can't think of a Shadow Man encounter where they're holding an item. I could be wrong. We could have covered one on the show. We've covered a lot of stuff on the show. But just off the top of my head, I can't think of a time we've seen a Shadow Man holding an item. I'd be curious, was the cage also completely black? Or did it look like a real-world item of metal of metal bars fused to a ceiling and a floor? Did it look like it was actually something constructed on Earth in the real world and the Shadow Man is carrying it? Or did it also look like it was made from the same material, came from the same source, the same dimension that the Shadow Man came from? But I keep using the term Shadow Man. That's not the term he's using. He goes, it was a demon. It 100% was a demon. I know it was a demon. I don't know why I know it was a demon, but I know it was a demon. He said it didn't have horns. It didn't have what Western Westerners normally think a demon looks like with the horns and the, the hooves. Didn't have anything like that. A couple of people commented that maybe it was Krampus because Krampus carries around a big cage and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Philip looked up Krampus and goes, no, that's not him. That's not what I saw, at least. I didn't see the horns. I didn't see any of these other things uh, outside of the giant cage. And he said his brother and his sister slept through the entire thing. Slept through the entire encounter. But he woke up to see this demon standing next to his bed holding a cage. It's a terrifying image. It's a terrifying image. An empty cage. What does that symbolize? This figure that... Here's the thing. When you wake up in the middle of the night and there's something like that standing next to your bed, the first question first question after do I have clean underwear, 
I need to wash my sheets before anyone finds out. You wonder how long was it there? How long was this entity standing at the foot of my bed? If you wake up and there's just a normal human flesh and blood man at the foot of your bed and you scream, ah, and then you beat him to a bloody pulp, and you find out he had just snuck into your bedroom and you woke up because he stepped on a micro machine. <laughs> he stepped on, he's the stealthiest burglar, but he has very sensitive feet. He stepped on a micro machine and went, ow, you beat him up. That's one thing. Imagine if you woke up in the middle of the night, there was a guy at the foot of your bed and you kicked the tar out of him. And then you find out he'd been sitting in your bedroom for 40 minutes just watching you sleep. This It's exact same scenario. But it's 10 times creepier when they're just there and you're unaware of them. That's the first issue whenever you look at any of these nocturnal encounters. But what does the empty cage symbolize? And I think the first thing that pops in your head is it's symbolic. I mean, again, if there's anything we can read into this. The cage is for Philip. The cage is a, a symbol of some, like it was some sort, not necessarily warning. What, what's the thing? It's a threat. A warning is where you're trying to do good. A threat is where you're trying to do bad. This demon was basically threatening Philip with this image that someday he will be in that cage. His soul will be trapped for whatever reason, right? Again, we have no background information on this guy. But... This demon is here to basically threaten him, not warn him, saying, if you don't change your ways, bird boy, bird boy, you're going to be in this cage. It's like, no, this is where I'm going to put you. No matter what you do, I'm going to put you in this cage, like as a threat. And that was what one of the people responding to that post, that's what one of the people responding to that post said. It was like, that cage was for you. You're going to end up in that cage someday, a... a Darkness is going to envelop you. And what's funny is I thought this was an... <laughs> when we're talking about demons throwing souls in cages forever, this reminded me of yesterday's story, too, where we talked about solar plexus clown gliders and these curses that can get latched onto you. And is it possible that, in a way, he was looking into his spiritual future, that he was going to be locked into this cage? And maybe it was some sort of threat that in a way could turn into a warning that something he could change in his life to avoid that maybe this was an omen that if he fixes things he repents whatever he can avoid eternal damnation he can avoid being stuffed into this cage for all time i mean again we're just we don't know what this imagery means but I had another idea. I had another idea. It's kind of along the same route, but far more dangerous. Because while you can... If you saw an image of what could happen to you in the afterlife, and you go, okay, that's what's going to happen to me. Like, if I'm going to be damned to hell, I'm going to do whatever I can on earth to prevent that. And I have the rest of my life to try to change things. I've seen Scrooge. <laughs> I've seen Scrooge. I can change things. But what if this empty cage wasn't for Philip? What if this empty cage wasn't a warning of what was to come if things didn't change in his life? There's another way to look at this. Remember, Philip was deep asleep when this 
figure was standing there and we don't know how long he was standing there. What if the cage wasn't empty when the demon showed up? What if that demon brought something dark and unspeakable? Something so dangerous that even the demon couldn't control it. That even the demon had to lock it in a cage. And Philip woke up once this creature was released. Had he woken up a couple minutes earlier, he may have seen the cage had something in it. There would be no symbology, there would be no interpretation. You would see a creature in a cage, and that cage get unlocked. And a monster of pure infinite darkness crawling out into the real world. Into your world, your room. But he didn't see that. He woke up and the cage was empty, and now we just have to go, what does that mean? When, if you saw a man with a cage let a tiger loose into a high school, you wouldn't be, well, I wonder what the interpretation of that is. You're like, a man just let a tiger loose in a high school, it's going to be a bloodbath. So while Philip may be trying to interpret this image, the there may be nothing to interpret. The cage was full, but when he saw it, the cage was empty, and whatever it was is in that house, is now part of his world, part of his family life part of the lives of his siblings, his parents, himself. There may be nothing to interpret from this. It may be cut and dry. And while you're busy looking for clues and signs, you're not looking over your own shoulder. You may be worried about someday being dragged off to hell. But the truth is, hell had already followed him home. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. 